This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexandra Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. listeners. Again, always excited to have a new episode for you. And today I am talking to an amazing person who has got some amazing things to tell us about gardening and just really connecting back with nature. Um, so, you know, speaking of gardening, um, you know, I would say it's a source of nourishment for many people in more ways than one, right? So not only does cultivating a garden mean that you're going to have an abundance of fresh food eventually, if you, if you do things right, <laughs> um, but it's all nice to be able to get outside and, you know, uh, get your hands dirty and just really enjoy life. Um, and so, you know, for, for our guest today, um, Dominique Charles, she is the CEO and creator of Plots and Pans, um, and she's a gardener and a gardening consultant. So her whole, you know, mission right now is growing food and helping others to do the same um, and doing it in a way that's just really joyful and satisfying. So Dominique, welcome to the podcast. Love to hear um, a little bit more about you and how you got started. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, so more of how I got started. Whew, where do we begin? <laughs> there um, we go. <laughs> Well, the best part is the beginning, right? So my grandparents, Emmett and Thelma Muse, who are the cutest people ever, um, my grandparents were farmers by, well, they were both farmers and educators. So they um, owned a cattle farm in Greensburg, Louisiana, and um, they were also educators. My grandfather was a principal and my grandmother was a first grade teacher um, in the town school, basically. Um, so, you know, outside of teaching, they did their farm work. And so, um, you know, we lived in, we grew up in New Orleans, but we would spend summers, weekends, et cetera, with our grandparents um, in Greensburg. And so, you know, I learned how to drive on a tractor. Like, so yeah. that's that's the type of, you know, lifestyle we grew up in. So I had the best of both worlds in terms of like city living in New Orleans, but then also experiencing farm life. So picking berries and snapping beans and things like that. Um, watching my grandmother can and sew and, you know, all these wonderful things. So I think there's always been um, an, an innate but inherited love of the land and just all the things it provides. And then as I got older, obviously, you know, as you spend less time with your grandparents, more time with your friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, and I, you know, I lived in a city. I lived in, in a house with my siblings at one point, and then I lived in an apartment. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to purchase a home in 2013. Okay. Um, and a girlfriend of mine was, you know, visiting. We were taking a trip to my favorite store in the world. Ikea. There we I go. <laughs> and so like we're chit-chatting in the car ride and she's like, I have a really long yard. So for DC, um, I am very blessed. I, my home itself is not huge. It's a wonderful size, but um, I have a big, big yard. So to Great. live in the city, to have this amount of space was just like mind blowing to her. So she was a gardener um, at the time and she's like, 
you know, would you grow a garden? And I'm like, girl, I'm trying to have brunch. I'm trying to yeah. have cookouts. Yep. You know, all the fun yeah. things that the new homeowner wants to do. Yeah. Um, and so gardening wasn't at the top of my list. However, she basically, you know, in that little car ride, interviewed me and asked me things that I would like to grow. And, you know, it was very salsa garden-esque. And so when I had my housewarming in May of 2014, all these people are like helping her bring stuff. I'm like, what is she, what does she bring me? And you know, the way I'm thinking, I was like, I did not register for whatever she is bringing. <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, so she started me off. She gifted me a starter garden and she built these big, um, or not, you know, put together these huge pots, like the biggest terrapata pots you can find. And she put together some things based off of my little interview. And so I started to share those things on social media and, People were just fascinated. And so in that first year, I got, you know, a couple tomatoes and some herbs. And um, as we went on, the next year, I like uh, tripled in size because, I mean, it went from pots to a four by four bed. And I just kept sharing these things. And people are like, you can grow corn in D.C.? I'm like, yeah, you can grow all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. um, You wouldn't think so, right? (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, again, I'm so fortunate to have the amount of space that I have. Yeah. So um, in that, you know, I just kept sharing and two different girlfriends who actually don't know each other kind of at the same time were like, you need to make this a thing. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, there are two people who I trust so much and I know they pour so much love into me. And so with that, I, you know, created this page, um, Uh, plots and pans. And it just really kind of, I won't even say it took off because that's not, um, that's not a true, that's not the truth of my story. My story is that it's been very organic in terms of growth. Um, I, I don't post a lot because I, I work full time. I'm not a full time (laughs) content creator. Um, and then, you know, I've just had these cool opportunities and plots and pans has grown, um, tremendously, but yeah, but it's been, it's truly a love of, um, my grandparents who I, when I just tell you, they were just phenomenal and just poured so much love into us. Um, but it's a, a love of my grandparents and girlfriends who just saw something in me and pushed me to do something outside of the box. So, and I just happened to be really, really good at it. So, <laughs> you know, there's it. that. Well, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about how true success and talent and all these things are very much wrapped up in a really nice like um, intersection of what you happen to be good at and what Mm -hmm. you like to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, you know, not only are you passionate about this, but you're also pretty good at it because, hey, I'm really passionate about art, but I can't draw worth a a dime. Mm -hmm. So there we go. (laughs) I'm passionate about cake and I do not trust myself to be. There you go. I love it. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, you know, a little, even a little bit more about maybe, uh, talking more about your local community and, you know, people, would you say that you've been able to serve? I mean, I'm sure you you didn't start off doing it this way, but are, are you perhaps like offering, um, a little bit of inspiration to your neighbors or people who have maybe previously said, wait a second, I live in the city, I can't garden. Like, I know that you have a bigger backyard than most, but I'm wondering, like, do people ask you questions about city gardening oh my all gosh. the time? Yes. You, okay, so a couple of things. I absolutely love serving my community. Um, I, just, I really do. Um, but I will say the best part is when people say they've started a garden because of me. 
that yes, makes yes. me feel like a million bucks. Because like, to your point, people may not have done that. And that wasn't at the top of their priority list, but they tried it because they saw somebody else do it. Yeah. Um. So I have a nice amount of people who've done that. But the girlfriend who actually got me started, I didn't even mention she started, she gardened on her balcony. So oh. I definitely, yeah, she used to use like, you know, box store um paint gallon buckets and yep. that's what she grew in and so um i you know share with people really you can grow in any vessel now obviously if you're growing out of a paint bucket you're not going to be able to do maybe corn but what about some bell peppers or some hot peppers so we can definitely find different things so i like to work with gardeners of all you know sorts and whatever type of space you have because we'll find a medium for you to grow in and we'll grow you something good yeah, no, I love that. And actually, one thing that's, I think, important to note, listeners, is, you know, um, Dominique, one of the things that she does is she does offer garden call consultations and workshops. So you you are thinking about um, gardening as a personal type of thing. It's not like a one-size-fits-all. And actually... I'm here to be like, can you give us some like recipes for gardens? You know what I mean? I'm like, I want somebody to come out and do this. Be like, Hey, here's your, you know, starter apartment balcony recipe or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. from my perspective, I am, um, I live in Seattle, um, which is great for growing things, right? It's sometimes it's not great for humans. We have to deal with all the rain, <laughs> but Hey, the, the plants love it. Um, and I have a relatively big backyard. And so I also actually probably suffer from too much choice where I'm like, I almost feel like overwhelmed, like what would I even get started on doing? And so I would imagine regardless of the amount of space that people come to you with, they probably are coming to you with a relatively same uh, mental perspective, which is I'm overwhelmed, help, what do I do? So like, what do you tell them to start off by doing? So the first thing I do, it's like, I, I had to make an interview question, basically. And the first questions I have are like, what do you love to eat? Especially, you know, for us East Coasters, and I'll say Northeast Coasters, we really only have spring and summer. You can grow a couple things over the winter, but, you know, let's make that time. Let's make it, you know, really worthwhile. And so, you know, there's some people and I am, I love tomatoes. I love green beans. I can't eat either anymore. It's so sad, but, <laughs> um, but I love tomatoes and green beans. And so those are things that I genuinely look forward to growing. And so I'd ask people, well, what do you love in the summertime? What is that mm. thing that you have to have? And yeah. so, you know, if you say, well, I have to have strawberries that's where we're gonna start yeah and so I like to ask what people like because a lot of people will ask me well what's something easy and I'm like well easy is relative and so I don't love talking about easy um because I'm like we can make whatever the thing is that you like now granted if you're trying to grow something like artichoke I don't know if I can make that easy for you but yeah really (laughs) but we can try to make whatever it is that you like as easy as possible um and you know I try to provide people so once we kind of get through that list of things that you really enjoy growing what are the things in the spring and summer months you are buying at the grocery store every week you know I have to have celery. Celery is something I, I I didn't even realize I enjoyed. Or I love squash and zucchini. Um, so those are things I have to buy. So if I have to buy them, I want to grow them. And then so we talk about the things that you have to have in those months. And then I'll talk about something like completely like what's something that you might want to grow, but you never thought of growing. And people yeah. are like, uh, butternut squash. We're going to go grow butternut squash. And so I try to throw one thing that's like, I don't want to say too crazy, but that's just not necessarily something you would normally consider. In addition to the things that you know you really love that are seasonal um, and that grow in your area. So that's that's my initial approach on it. And after that, we just kind of roll from there. And um, and then sometimes I have to be quick on my toes. I have um, a new gardener I'm working with. 
and she has littles and her littles, you know, are kind of picky. So I'm like, okay, well, what are some things, you know, littles like? And so she had like tomatoes and I was like, okay, well, they like tomatoes. Well, what about, you know, some baby sweet peppers? And she's like, I didn't even think of that. So we try to work with some things that again are unique, but not too far out of the box that, you know, you won't really enjoy it. And worst case scenario, if they don't eat it, she can chop them up and freeze them and use them later in her cooking throughout the year. Yeah, no, that that's so true. And actually, I love that you start off by asking people what they're actually going to eat, because I can't tell you the amount of times I have done the the opposite where I'm like, yeah, what's easy? Somebody tells me what's quote unquote easy for the space. I'm kind of like, well, I don't really know about eating, you know, like, I, I don't know a lot okay. of recipes with this, but I'm just going to try it out. Well, what happens? I mean, you end up with like, sometimes you might try something new, like that's the happy path. But a lot of times you just end up being a little bit overwhelmed. Um, and you don't eat it. Um, and I think I personally, I love that you mentioned artichokes. I love artichokes. They are such a pain in the butt to cook though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so it's one of those things where I think you have to think about what do you love to cook? What's realistic for you? Um, and then you're right. Like maybe somebody comes to you and they say, now, I'm from Texas originally. Um, and, you know, maybe I come to you and I say, look, I'm in Seattle. This is very true. And I can't find a good Mexican food meal to save my life, which is true. Um, and I'd like to make more Tex-Mex at home. Uh, that's probably also a good place to start maybe in types of cuisine, which people mm-hmm. like to eat, right? Absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I definitely try to go through all that and ask those questions because I just don't want anybody. I, and I say, I take it from personal experience. And my example of that is cilantro, right? Mm-hmm. The, one of the first things I grew as a new gardener was cilantro because, you know, I'm young. That's what we cooking with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I don't actually like cilantro that much. Really? I, 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 no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy cilantro, right? But this, I guess this is almost like a pivot, right? Because the one thing a lot of people don't think about when they think about gardening is the financial obligation. Yes. And so as much as I enjoy cilantro, I don't enjoy cilantro to put that much money into growing it. And yep. so it's cheaper for me to go to a grocery store and buy it for like 69 cents versus me growing it in my backyard. Now there's the tending, the water and so on and so forth. It's just not worth it. So that's a really big thing for me is that I want to make sure that we are um, making financial, I mean, by trade, I'm an accountant. So everything is a financial um, decision to make sure is this, you know, is having organic cilantro from your garden as big of a deal as having an organic tomato? Because you're putting the same amount of work into both, right? Yeah. So that's my thought process in it. Absolutely. And actually, that's a huge question I wanted to ask you, especially because of your background um, and your professional space, too. Like, you know, let's talk about the financial aspect of things, because, you know, on this podcast, we really like to make sure that every bit of eco-friendly advice that we put out there is accessible. Um, And so, you know, maybe sometimes there's a solution that's more expensive, but then we like to provide options for people that are free or just easy, easy to, um, you know, accomplish from a financial perspective. So tell me a little bit more about like how gardens can be both good financially and bad financially. I think you kind of alluded to some of this, but I, I'd love to know, because most of the time when you hear people talk about gardening, it's all sunshine and rainbows in terms of, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's so cheap and it's cheaper than going to the grocery store and stuff. But you, you do bring up, I'd say, good points around, you know, the cost of one's time and water and all that stuff. So yeah, let's talk about it. So gardening, I do not actually agree with that statement that it's so it's cheaper than going to the grocery store. I think that that is somewhat of a statement of privilege yes. because I think we have to consider the fact that, you know, 
if your nearest grocery store is Walmart and Walmart, I think what they sell it, tomatoes for like 88 cents, a pound, something inexpensive, right? That you're like, well, I can get these tomatoes, right? But also the person who might be primarily shopping at Walmart either lives in a rural area or may live in an area that like in DC proper, where it's very apartment heavy. So yeah. they don't have the space to grow. So it's like almost shaming this person for not growing their own food because it's like, oh, it's so cheap to grow. It's, you know, that's not always the case. It's yeah. also not always sustainable to grow your own food. Um, Again, I think about it from the space of, in where I live, I have essentially late March through maybe October to grow okay. all these things, right? I can't eat salad. I, I can't eat a fresh salad from my backyard in December. Now, some people choose to grow inside their homes. But again, do you have the space to use grow light and the money to buy the grow lights? Yeah. So I think that those are things that I consider. Um. But I encourage people, if you are someone who likes to cook like me, let's get you growing some onions. Let's get you growing some garlic. Let's get some things that we, uh, potatoes, things that we can cure and use those things year round. So I look at it like that. But the startup cost of gardening is so expensive. I cringe today because I had to tell someone how much the cost was for her startup garden. Now, granted, she's getting a really nice garden and a really nice um, it's very sizable and so on and so forth, but I was really uncomfortable even telling her. And she's like, oh no, well, that makes sense. Now, most people get it, but a lot of people think that, you know, well, it's outside, it's dirt. And that's, oh, dirt versus soil kills me. But like, you know, <laughs> we want to start off with a really strong foundation. Yeah. And so if we don't start off with that really strong foundation with good soil, with good compost and good amendments in there, you know, not to say it won't work, but you know, you could buy it from the store for all that. Why, why don't we, you know, we want to make sure we're giving you the healthiest product available. So, yeah. you know, the cost can be a bit pricey um, to start off with. But I think in year two, it 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 knocks it out the ball. It, it, year two is just refreshing, right? But re year one is the build out. And that's yeah. where we get a little complicated. But yeah, I think about money all the time, like in everything I do. And I think I'm highly considerate of other people's, or I try to be highly considerate of other people's budgets yeah. um, to make sure, you know, I'm not doing too much and not considering that this is something they just want to do for fun. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's the way I look at it. I love that. And I mean, it, to me, it's just such a refreshing take on it because I do think the whole, at the very beginning, what you just said, like the, the concept of, oh, this it's cheaper than going to the grocery store is privilege. And it, for, for all of the reasons you discussed. Um, and so I think, yeah, maybe it's cheaper than going to like a, you know, really expensive private grocery maybe, mm -hmm. but for a lot of people, it, it ends up, you know, all kind of coming out in the wash. Now that being said, um, you know, once people can come to terms with the, you know, financial aspect and they're ready to, to get into it. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, of course we all know the benefits of growing your own food, but I'm curious to talk maybe about some things that people aren't as familiar, like curing your own food. So tell me a little bit more about how you walk people through, you know, the, I suppose, preservation or, you know, saving of these vegetables. Cause look, I mean, I, I'm one of those people where during the summer, 
I'm like, I start getting sick of eating salads and all that stuff because oh I my eat, gosh. eat so much. Yeah. So yeah, like, what do we do? How do we get out of that? <laughs> so it's kind of funny because I say I'm new to somewhat curing things because I, I I think one thing I'm really big on is telling people to eat your produce. Um, yeah. I had a, yes. a gardener who was so excited about her little her strawberries. And she said, I just go outside and look at them every day. And I was like, but you have to eat them. And she's like, yeah, well, by the time I got ready to eat them, they were all gone. And I was like, right, because they dried up. Yeah. I was like, you don't, you don't have a strawberry farm. You, you yeah. A strawberry plant so you, you gotta eat them but i i fell victim to it because this year i had the cutest little watermelons and i did not eat my watermelons in time and i was so sad yeah um, so you know that's the first thing i tell people to eat your produce now moving into the curing piece i am new to curing i was able to cure some um butternut squashes and um some sweet potatoes. Now I haven't perfected the potatoes yet, so I can't like provide advice on that because I do not want people dragging me. But um, what I do in terms of food preservation, my favorites are with peppers. Um, I tend to take bell peppers. You know, bell peppers grow like 41 North. You are like over bell peppers by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I chop them up. Some of them I chop, some of them I um, slice or like julienne. Um, and I freeze them. I label them. I put them in bags um, for like a cup, maybe two cups, and I freeze them. And so as the, you know, winter months go on, I will take those bell peppers out and I, you know, throw them in whatever dish I'm making. I do the same, well, excuse me, with tomatoes, I'll stew them, but it's a very basic, like a blanched stew, whereas okay. like I'll cut those tomatoes up, um, throw them in a pot with some onions. Uh, I might do a little bit of seasoning, but not a lot. Um, just to, you know, get the flavor going. And then again, I'll put them in bags of like a cup or two. What else do I do? Oh, and I blanched, I, I, I didn't grow collard greens last year, but with collard greens, I blanched those. I don't season those at all. I'm just blanching them, rinsing them, um, you know, well, clean the greens first, obviously. Cleaning yeah. the greens. Um, listen, <laughs> again, I will not get dragged. I will clean <laughs> my greens. Um, and then I cut them up, I blanch them, and I drain them really well to get as much of that excess water out. And I freeze those as well. And the collards are perfect because when you get ready to cook, you know, like your New Year's dinner or just whatever, they're easy, easy breezy. They don't take as long to cook because the hard work has been done already. Um, and so th that's a lot of things I do. Okra, same kind of concept. But I save those things so that I can have it throughout the year. And a yep. lot of times I actually do it with my first fruit because if I do it with my first fruit, I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't drag the process out too long where I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to eat another bell pepper because I haven't even had bell peppers in the first round, right? I'm yeah. doing something else. So that's kind of the take I have on it. So I'm a big freezer. Um, I would love to learn how to can. My grandmother used to can, but I am just scared of that boiling water. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I haven't perfected that. I took a, like a little mini jam class, um, but I'm going to get there one day. I'm not there yet. Yeah. But I encourage people to use their freezers um, to yeah. save things as best as possible. And I will be very honest and say I have a very traditional refrigerator and freezer um, set up with the freezer on the top and a fridge on the bottom. Um, so it's not like I have this massive amount of space. I just recently got a deep freezer. So yeah. I was doing all that with a regular freezer. So um, it's possible. And obviously, you can't freeze everything. But um, yeah, that's how I make sure I encourage people to save their things. And, you know, also give them to your neighbors. The neighbors love when you're like, do you want some of my fresh pears? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. They do love it. And I love that the, the thought that you just brought up around rotation um, and not getting stuck 
doing and eating the same thing over and over again, because you're totally right. I mean, it's, it, you definitely get into a situation where you get sick of things and then that kind of like, I don't know, I almost want to say it like discourages you from doing more and, you know, it just oh, yeah. ends up being a kind of a strange situation. Um, and so just being able to be creative from that perspective is great. And I totally agree with you about Keanu and I, I like the boiling water scares me, but you know, what scares me more is just like the thought of like not doing it right. And then like getting sick and I don't know. I mean, I'm probably yeah. just like, you know, I'm, I'm probably overthinking it, but I totally hear you that like, I think a lot of times people are just like, Oh, Keanu, and it's just so easy. And it, you know, if you do it and you want to try it more power too, I think it's great, but it's also not necessarily like a one size fits all type thing. Listen, I don't want to be the use case, the test case of somebody who dies from molding, you know, yeah, molded know. peaches because <laughs> she didn't know how to can, right? I'm yeah. good. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, just thinking through that is is interesting for sure. Um, So tell me a little bit more about, um, we, you kind of alluded to this, but this is something I'm also personally passionate about is reducing food waste. So you talked a lot about, you know, using your freezer. Totally agree. We use our freezer all the time. And we, um, my family, I, um, it's me and my husband and now our one and a half year old. So we, we don't eat a ton of food, but we, you know, we do use our freezer pretty, I would say strategically. That mm-hmm. being said, um, you know, it does take some work, I think, to like get organized. So do you have any tips for people like as they start to like try and get organized from that perspective? I would never t- let somebody come peek in my freezer because they would be so annoyed. They'd be like, are you serious? <laughs> would be, it, it is not organized at all. It is an okay. organized mess. I yeah. can tell you where X, Y, and Z is. But if you looked on your own, you'd be like, Dominique, this is a disaster. <laughs> um, so, uh, but what I do do is, I think I'm, I am huge on um, decreasing my amount of food waste. So um, I recently did a frittata and it's so, I posted about a frittata and so many people have hit me up privately to ask like, well, wait, what about this? Can I use that? Da, da, da. And like for about me, the frittata? Was, oh my gosh, because what it was, was I had some smoked salmon from the week, from that early of the week. And I was just like, yeah, I'm over smoked salmon. Let me put it in a frittata. And so that's kind of my take on food in general, right? Yeah. I also had some spinach that the spinach was like, yeah, it was all right, but I was over it. Um, So I pulled, got ready to cook that spinach down to put that in the frittata. So I tend to think of, um, I just say it's kind of like upcycling food, right? So some of it is the upcycling of the food in terms of trying to find a new meal that you can create of something you already have. Um, So that's one take on food waste for me. But another one is I'm a big composter. I I take stuff to my local compost. I'm super excited. We're getting, um, I'm trying to be in this beta test for curbside compost, but like, so I'm a, I'm a big composter. I've done it. Um, locally, I, you know, drop it off at the farmer's market every couple of weeks. Um, but I even did a program before where they used to pick it up. It wasn't sustainable for me because by the time the winter comes, if you think about our food, um, you're eating stuff like potatoes and, you know, things where you're eating the whole produce. So like now I have to pay for you to come pick up a quarter of a pound of, of scraps. And I'm like, this yeah. doesn't make sense. So I stopped that. But um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm excited to get more people involved in composting. I don't do backyard composting. I think it's really cool for people who do. Um, but because I live in a major city, I think that um, out of respect for myself and my neighbors, um, I do not compost. And so we could take it from there. But, you know, <laughs> there I, yeah. I would not want my neighbors composting because, you know, it brings a lot of unwanted visitors um, yeah. if it's done just the slightest bit wrong. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And actually, there are so many interesting innovations happening, I think, in the home compost uh, space right now, whether, yes, you're talking about like curbside composting or um, there's some really interesting gadgets now that you can have. Now, granted, they are expensive, so we have to mention that. But there there are, I think, um, some improvements being made in the space to where it's just a little bit less, you know, old school. Yeah, making it stinky and all that kind of stuff. But well, I do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I was going to say I saw um, I was actually I was looking at a bid earlier today for um, a client and I noticed that they have that particular company had some um, worm kind of casings that you would put in the bed with the plant and it has hmm. a little lid so that you can put in your food scraps and they just encourage you to get some worms. And I was like, that's so smart because it'll break down on its own and continue to go into the soil. So you don't have to do the composting, like, you know, t- churning the thing. Now, granted, I don't think that that's for massive amounts of food, but it's a thought and it's something, um, you know, and again, one less stop you might have to make. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, that, that is like such a low tech way to do it and, mm-hmm. it, and, and cheap. So like, I, I love that. And I think, you know, just thinking about this as a, as a whole concept, just like doing what you can, um, what you're going to eat, et cetera, I think is just so important. Um, so, you know, another question I had for you was, uh, about, you know, when you, when you consult with people and you talk specifically after you've decided, okay, um, you know, here's what you're able to do. Here's what you'd like to eat, et cetera. Like, how much does, and I mean, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. Like how much does the grow zone play into things? Like, is that like, you know, is it just like a total deal breaker if you want to grow something and it's not your grow zone or like, is there any flexibility there? So I think there is flexibility, but I also try to level set with people. So if somebody's like, you know, I really want to grow, um, passion fruit. I'm like, I mean, that's not really in our grow zone. However, if you want to build a greenhouse, you can do it, right? Yeah. Or someone's yeah. like, I want to grow um lemons. Again, not really in our zone, but you can try it. I know people who've done it, but yeah. they also have a little bit more of a controlled space. So I do try to level set to say, you know, these people do this, but they have a greenhouse or these people do it and they bring their plant outside in the summertime. Like maybe they have a mini lemon tree, right? So yeah. the plant may sit outside all summer long, but then you have to bring it inside. So I try yeah. to just be mindful of that. But I mean, I think, I don't want to say anything's the deal breaker. I think it's up to you and how much you are willing to um, sit through and be passionate and patient, right? Because um, if you want to grow an avocado, who am I to tell you you can't? Also, <laughs> I think, <laughs> but I think another thing I think about is, you know, the upside of global warming, right? There's not really a positive spin, but I think the one thing we can consider is that our grow zones and our time of growing has shifted. So, you know, at one, I think maybe two years ago, I had tomatoes into November. Yep. And like, that's not a thing, right? But it was so warm (laughs) that I had tomatoes into November. So with that thought process, who am I to tell somebody, no, I'm absolutely not going to grow lemons for you. Cause I'm like, well, if you want to grow lemons, you should know that this isn't typically something that grows well here. However, we have this opportunity. So I think that's something to consider is that, you know, as much as the grow zones are giving us guidance, it's just not, it's just that it's guidance. It's not, um, to me, an end all be all, you can't grow anything outside of the grow zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm all, I'm wondering too, like, do they update those very often? You know what I mean? I was it's wondering like, the same. Yeah. Cause like, it's, it's possible, you know, due to climate change and everything like that, like it's possible that, yeah, these grow zones need a little bit of a, you know, refresh, but it's, it's super interesting. And Hey, I would love to learn how to 
uh, grow uh, passion fruit. I love pa- who doesn't love passion fruit, but it's so expensive at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd love to figure that one out. Maybe I need to get a greenhouse going. Um, well, Dominique, this has been so fun talking with you. Um, as we kind of wrap up the episode, I have a question I like to ask most of our guests before they leave. But before we do that, were there any sort of like last tips or uh, tricks you wanted to share with the audience um, about home gardening? Um, I think, oh gosh, you really got me with that one. I wish I could have got that in advance. I know. I always <laughs> ask people that. I'm like, I know. Well, what's um, maybe the first one that comes to your head? It doesn't have to be the best one ever. <laughs> I, well, I think the first one I would say is like, really try something new. Um, I think that's probably my favorite tip is just try something new. Um, I think for me, my new things that I'm growing this year is that I'm going to be growing a ton of berries. Um, I already grew black. I mean, I'm sorry. I already grew strawberries. And this year I have blueberries and blackberries coming in. Um, but also just in terms of trying something new, it could truly, it's a very vague statement, but I think there are so many things that come with it. Like I, you know, prune a tree that you never, you were nervous about pruning or, you know, rotate those crops or, you know, things like that. Because I think we get so comfortable in what we know. Sometimes we get anxious about trying to try something different. And I think the best part of trying something different is one, you're just trying. And two, you know, what is this, the little phrase, um, shoot for the moon? Because even if you fail, you land in the stars. I mean, it's everything is a growing, like truly a growing opportunity. So I'm just really big on trying something new. I think that's the best tip that I have um, in terms of gardening. And also make sure you are including perennials and flowers. I think those are things, I was not a big gardener about flowers. I got into marigolds because they made my tomatoes and basil, you know, grow really well. But like, think about the, the beautiful flowers that you can have in your garden. You can pick them um, or you can use them solely as pollinators, but you can have some celosias or even um, zinnias. And there's another flower that I wanted to start, but I think it was a little too late. But there's so many things that you, oh, nasturtiums. Um, But a lot of those really pretty flowers, and then you can have some that are even edible. So it's like, you know, try to grow with purpose. I think that that is really it. Grow with purpose and intention. And I think that um, you will be so pleased with the outcome of the garden that you grow. Um, that that's for me, that's what it comes down to. I don't really grow things that I don't love. I grow with purpose and I really like to share that with other people. So make sure that they get a garden that, you know, makes sense. They can eat for their, you know, eat for their family and, but also share with their neighbors. And it just makes sense to their personality. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I couldn't, we will we'll definitely have to call this episode grow with purpose now because I love, <laughs> I love that phrase and I love just the general thought process that you bring to it. And you're right. Like I actually didn't used to be much of a flower person myself in terms of growing it. And then I realized that like, I personally just loved bouquets that had dahlias in them. And so I, I figured out how to, how to grow them. And it's just been so like rewarding to be able to do that. So anyway, I I totally agree with you. Well, um, Dominique, this has been so fun. Um, listeners, we, we really appreciate uh, Dominique joining us. And, you know, in, in general, we'll leave, of course, all the links to everything in the show notes. Um, you can find Dominique across the socials at Plots and Pans. Um, and we will look forward to welcoming her back in the future because this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.